both pilots. Can you fly this plane and land it? Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Good afternoon, good evening, good people, and you're listening to another episode of Feud and a Monkey. I'm Mark Foster, and I'm joined by my host... Ian Loring, hi guys. And it'll be myself steering the ship tonight, and we are covering the uh, recent apocalypse film, This Is The End. Uh, we'll also be looking at some one-old-one news, and we start a new marathon. Uh, this is our Spike Early... See what we've done there, Marathon, uh, and we're starting with his debut feature film, She's Gotta Have It. Uh, we'll also be chatting some trailers, uh, if there was any out this week, um, and we'll be answering a few of your Twitter questions. Um, uh, as always, if you want to get in touch with us, at Dude and the Monkey on Twitter, at Ian Loring on Twitter, at Doofus on Twitter, or Dude and the Monkey at gmail.com. Uh, anything you need to add to that, Ian? No, mate, I think I'm good. Um, yeah, nothing. Cool. Right, uh, we'll open up with this question then, Ian. Ian, what trailers have you seen this week? Okie dokie. Um, well, uh, we recorded like six days ago, so I suppose um, not too much has come out, but I've got a few. Uh, another trailer for The Conjuring came out, which plays up the based on real life uh, aspects of it. It's got like many interviews with the actual people in the trailer which i don't think is are, are in the film actually i think they've just done that for the marketing and uh, it, it's it's the worst trailer in what i think has actually been very clever marketing yet so far i think there's been three trailers it's by far the worst but still very much looking forward to the conjuring uh teaser for ride along which is uh kevin hart and ice cube um i'll watch those two like I watch Ice Cube bust uh, Kevin Hart's balls uh, all day, frankly. Um, I won't be going to the cinema for it, but I'll happily watch it on the small screen. 
short teaser for the Box Trolls, which is the new uh, Leica animated film. They previously did Paranorman. Doesn't come out until uh, next September, I think, like 2014. So um, uh, it's a while, but it was a, a nice little teaser. And if it kind of he- hits that kind of melancholy mood throughout the whole thing, it could be very interesting. And um, uh, latest teaser, for, uh, well, trailer for Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2. Uh, where I'm, I am hoping lightning can strike twice with that franchise, and I don't know, it's a good trailer. The, the two trailers have been very good for that so far. I'm, I'm very, very much looking forward to, to Cloudy too. But um, yeah, that's all I bothered watching this week, actually. And I, I know there were some others, but um, I have negative interest in Delivery Man. So uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I, mean, I, I watched the the trailer for Delivery Man, and uh, it, it it just looks like a Vince Vaughn film. Uh, there's there's nothing really you can add to that other than the fact that it it, it looks like a Vince Vaughn film. Um, I just watched the trailer for Paranoia. Um, looks like one of the most generic thrillers uh, we'll get uh, this year. That's the Harrison Ford and Gary Oldman and. Hemsworth, yeah, is it? the Liam the, Hemsworth, um, yeah, yeah, Hemsworth. Yeah, that, yeah, that's right, that's brutal. Uh, yeah, it, it just it looks, it, it doesn't look bad, but it doesn't look good. It, it, it in no way makes me want to watch the film. There's nothing to that film whatsoever. And the thing is, it kind of feels like the whole thing is in the trailer. Yeah. It, it kind of feels like Runner Runner, that Timberlake and Affleck one in that respect. Yeah, but I mean, with, with that, I'm very much like, yes, that looks incredibly generic, but do you know what? I'll watch Ben Affleck and Justin Timberlake do generic. Um, but I have very little interest in watching Harrison Ford be bald, um, Liam Hemsworth be just so painfully dull um, and Gary Oldman do a, a a slight twinge on his own voice uh, I mean, in the trailer at one point he sounds like Cockney and then another point he sounds South African and then another point yeah, he sounds yeah, Australian yeah. and it was only by sort of the end of it I thought alright oh, he is supposed to be from London which is amazing that a guy from London can do that bad a London accent yeah. So um, also watched uh, the trailer for Afternoon Delight, um, which looks um, it, it looks like it might be a, a good one to watch on like a Thursday night on Netflix. I'm looking forward to the prequel Skyrockets in Flight. I must say. I, yeah, I think that that that, that will be better. Uh, that's is, is that one where uh, we find out how Juno Temple became a stripper. Oh, hello. Right, okay, so Afternoon Delight is Juno Temple as a stripper. Yes. Right, okay, I will be watching that trailer at some point then. Yes, uh, there's a lot of Juno Temple wearing not a lot. Uh, And uh, Josh Radner's in it, but there's not a lot of him, which is always good, because... Never mind, eh? Yeah. Uh, Also, finally, watch the uh, full trailer for uh, Escape Plan. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) In... Yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd tell you what, Jordan Knoll were very sniffy about that on Heroes the other night, and yeah, but, no, yeah, no, but but, but, but they're miserable bastards. So. <laughs> I said it myself. <laughs> did you? You see, I, yeah. I I didn't get up to the trailer part in this week's Thirty Five Minute Heroes because I had to stop it um, because I got to work, um, and I thought I'll, I'll listen to it up to the uh, this is the end review, and I, I won't listen to that because obviously we'll be talking about it 
later on yeah, this show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I will actually listen back to that if that's the trailer you covered. Uh, I'm pretty sure I told them they haven't got joy in their hearts. They, they fucking don't. Miserable. No, fucking right. Good. Uh, so yeah, that's that's about that's that's about all that's really been out. Um, more trailers for 300, but I quite frankly don't care. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't actually go to the cinema this weekend, uh, which was the first time in fucking ages. Um, so I did, you know, I only really saw stuff online. So. Yeah, I, I did actually, actually, I did see at the cinema uh, the trailer for uh, The Heat. You know, the... Ah, uh, uh, the Bullock uh, McCarthy yeah. one. Yeah, now I, I really don't like Melissa McCarthy. Um, I, I, I don't like the fact that she used to be quite a fun actress. Um, you know, in stuff like Nine and, and, and things like that, she was she, she had a bit of range, and now she's just decided that she's the um, she, she's just this brash, you know, fat chick. Yeah, and it, it's a little bit like she's very one note. But I will admit, in that two and a half minute trailer, I chuckled four or five times. Uh, I don't know. I I won't go to the cinema to see it. But I did watch it and think, do you know what? If it's a buddy cop, but it's two chicks, I like the idea of it. Yeah, I, 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 I'll watch it on the small screen if yeah. I'm going to watch it at all, to be honest. That's exactly exactly my feelings as well. Uh, and uh, I went to the cinema with uh, my uh, wife this week. Um, and my wife has a real, can't stand Alan Partridge can't stand Steve Coogan at all uh, and she laughed like a hyena throughout the entire Alpha Papa trailer nice. and turned around to me <laughs> after it and went oh, I want to see that Fair <laughs> nice. who, who, who hates Alan Barridge so. yeah um, Alpha Papa comes out the day I start like a 10 day holiday from work so I think I'll be seeing it that night to kind of celebrate actually I'm, I'm very much looking forward to Alpha Papa cool right um, yeah. I think that's pretty much uh, it for trailers so uh, we're going to play a little trailer uh, or clip uh, depending on what you're hearing next um, from um, Jupocalypse Comedy this is the end We could ever plan. James Franco's having a giant party. <laughs> this place is beautiful, man. This place is like a piece of me. You two just stepped inside me. You let us both come inside you. Yeah. Boom. Thanks, James Franco. Have you seen Michael Sarah tonight? What's up, Rihanna? Can't believe people still invite him places. Don't touch my bubble, bitch. It's a weird face. Office is urging people to stay in their homes right now. Ah! Looting, 
Friday. For all we know, the Lakers could have just won, and that's the reason why all this is happening. I think it's the apocalypse. It's all in here. And he opened the bottomless pit. The sinkhole? Every single time I turn on the news, sinkhole in South America, a bunch of South Americans getting sucked into the ground. Sinkhole in my ass. What's your son? We should just stay in here, fortify this bitch, and take inventory of all the food we have. We got 12 bottles of water, 56 beers, Nutella, CT Crunch, a Milky Way. Can I have that Milky Way? No, you can't have the Milky Way. It's my special food. I like it. I want some of the Milky Way. I'd be pretty bummed if I don't at least get a bite of the Milky Way. What you want, son? This is my king. This is my lane. Get out of the way. What you want, hun? Watson showed up. Hermione just stole all of our shit. Okay, you heard a little clip from This Is the End. Uh, this is the kind of you've got actors playing versions of themselves which incorporate parts of their own personality and complete opposites of their own personality. Uh, written and directed by uh, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg and starring as main characters you've got Rogen himself uh, and you, then you've got Jay Baruchel, uh, Jonah Hill, Danny McBride, Craig Robinson and of course James Franco. Uh, you've got a host of other people cropping up um, and Ian what did you think of this is the end yeah so I, I'm, I'll, I'll preface this by saying I, I saw this is the end at a, kind of a word of mouth screening a few weeks back so I am very 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 hazy on the specifics and if anyone's already listened to the 35mm Heroes review you probably already get that impression I basically just let Noel and Jordan talk about it for, and I, I just brought up a couple of points, but um, I so we'll see how we get on. <laughs> but uh, I I really 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 enjoyed this as the end. Um, I think we're going through a fairly fallow period in studio comedy at the moment, and I I, I think stuff like the heat would like basically typify that. You know, the heat, the internship. I I I you know I I don't know. U.S. comedy seems to be going through a bit of a bland Frost, phase Frost. at the moment. It's a, it's very much, they know people are going to go and see it, so why fucking try? Yeah, that's, I, I, I think that's, um, that's exactly it. And, um, oh, fucking hell, Murray's maybe about to win. Jesus Christ. Um, sorry. Um, so, yeah, and like, I mean, I, I maybe it's just telling, as to my sense of humour, that, like, if I haven't laughed this much in a film since 21 Jump Street. Um, I would say 21 Jump Street is better than This Is The End. I think it's more focused. I think it's more intent on actually being a film. But I would still say This Is The End is currently in my top ten of the year. Probably won't be there at the end of the year, but it is there at the moment. Um, and I like that it is doing the kind of the hanging out kind of thing, but then it's also playing up some horror comedy beats, and it ends in a completely different place from where you expect it to end, I think it's fair to say. Um, and also, I think I, I, I think it is cinematic. Um, there are a lot of comedies that you can't say are particularly cinematic, uh, but I think this is the end is. Uh, in all, I had a, a real blast with it, but I am inclined to these guys anyway. Yeah, I think I think I think that's that's 
that, that's definitely a thing with it, uh, is, is how much you get on with these guys. Um, one of the major criticisms I've heard of, of This Is The End, um, and I, 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 I'm not disagreeing with this, this criticism, to be honest, is this seems like a movie that was a lot, you know, some friends hanging out and having a, you know, a good time making a movie, and then now we're watching this, we're paying to see this movie. Oh, thanks, Han. Sorry. Uh, thanks, Don. Uh, sorry, Murray won. Oh, um, right. Um, so, yeah, um, I, 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 I've heard quite a lot of it. Um, and yeah. I, I, I can't disagree with that. This does look like these guys had a lot of fun making it. Um, but I had um, what I would count as, as, as almost as much fun watching it. Um, it's, it's essentially a buddy stone comedy, which is what it is. It's a group of friends stuck in a situation together uh, where they are, you know, it, it, it's them acting pretty much not as they would ask. Obviously, it's it's a a heightened thing. They're they're, they're playing caricatures of themselves, but yeah. they're not doing anything ridiculous. They're just sort of they're just hanging out as if they were hanging out. They just happen to be barricaded in James Franco's house. Um, yeah, and that, that's that's kind of what what, what I like. I think it, it, it's there's not any of the those those main people that were in that for the bulk of it that I don't really get on with. Um, it, it's one of those things. If you'd have replaced any of those people with Mince Platts or Michael Sarah, um, I probably wouldn't have liked this movie as much because every time they'd have come on screen, I'd have gone, oh. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I was gonna, I was gonna say actually, because you were saying about it not, um, them not kind of, you know, being over the top. Um, I, I think Michael Sarah, the amount of Michael Sarah and what he's doing in it is perfect. I think if you'd had like another scene with him, yeah. or if he'd live, uh, like lived any longer, uh, all spoilers all the time, folks. Yeah. Um, then um, it, it could have gone wrong. But him blowing coke in Christopher Mintz Plass's face, him slapping Rihanna's ass and getting punched and like him in that bathroom with those girls. Yeah. You, you know, like, and, and the end of, end of him with the saying like, who's got his phone or yeah, whatever it was in his back pocket, in his po- pocket the entire time that, you know, that is great. And it's, it, it's nice to see Michael Sarah like pushing that shit. And you do get the sense that he was into pushing that shit. And yeah, I mean, the, the, the rest of the guys, I mean, like, Rogan and Baruchel, I don't think even 1% go over what they are. I just think they are what they are, basically. Yeah, I, I um, think there's actually there's a joke at the start of the movie where someone mentions that Seth Rogen essentially just plays himself all yeah. the time. And he's very much kind of... He's accepted that kind of now that, that he's... His personality is enough the thing that he can play very much versions of himself, and that's not a bad thing. You know, you know, Billy Crystal's done it for his entire career, so it's not always a bad thing being able to do that. And he's he's quite an enjoyable, you know, he's an enjoyable presence. If Seth Rogen's in a film, I'll watch it because I enjoy spending time with him. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, and I mean, the thing is as well, I was, I was like reading um, stuff like him and um, Evan Goldberg, who co-wrote and uh, co-directed the film with Rogan. Um, they were saying that they've found that 
they really they know what they do now mm. and it is r-rated stuff that is quite like this yeah basically and this is what they do this is what they're good at you know and they say like the problem with the, they found with the green hornet was that they were being hemmed into a pg-13 thing and they just couldn't they just couldn't manage it. You know, they they, they just didn't know what no, to the, do there. The, the jokes just just fell in in uh, in Greenheim. They just felt pulled back a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. I also read a thing where um, they were saying that of everybody, um, they they pushed it and they tried to get them to do the more ridiculous things. And the only person out of the cast who didn't at any point say. I'm not saying that, or I'm not doing that. Was James Franco? It was literally they could tell Franco to do, to say or do anything, and he'd just do it. Whereas all yeah. the rest of them at one point went, I don't want to do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean that's the thing. I mean, with Franco, he he obviously just doesn't give a shit, you know. And I mean, but I mean they they do they do go to some pretty interesting places i mean i i i like what jonah hill did and it's and it's interesting as well because um i've been reading some stuff about jonah hill where apparently he has started rubbing people the wrong way in some circles because he's trying he's really trying to sell himself as a dramatic actor in real life Mm. Um, and like he's been like it was some interview where he was saying well you know if people don't like me then fuck them because God says you look like me. me yeah I read that yeah you know and and I mean that that you know that's interesting but like it he's saying that and yet he's knowingly pl- kind of playing that up and this is the end even though he's playing the nice guy the fact that he is like you know he's playing up the fact he is an Oscar winner and he was in Moneyball that kind of, it, it's it's interesting how that's either he's very aware of himself and he doesn't give a shit or he's massively not aware of himself and he thinks that this is playing something different when it's not. I I think that with someone like John Hill, I think he's too smart to not be aware of it. Yeah, I I, I think he's massively aware of himself. I think what he's very aware of is the fact that he's he's managed to, out of all, out of a lot of... um, Sort of comedy actors. He's managed to to make the transition from um, very comedic actor to serious actor. You know, he th- th- there's no real kind of comedy in Moneyball, but he's very very good in it. Um, you know, I don't know about Wolf of Wolf Wall Street yet. Obviously, we've not seen it. We've seen a clip, but. I think that Jonah Hill does seem to have the the acting capabilities to be able to to pull these things off. Um, you know, time will tell. We'll we'll wait and see see what happens. But there is a little bit of snobbery. I think it's very easy for actors to go from being very dramatic actor to then try and sort of what is seen as step down to comedy for some reason. Yeah. Um, and they get criticised for it if it doesn't work. But it's. It's kind of like when a, when a comedic actor, a very comedic actor, c- tries to go, right, I'm going to start doing sort of non-comedic roles, not more serious stuff, but try and elevate, not elevate, sorry, but try and move on to doing sort of more serious roles while also still keeping the comedy there as well. It, 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 it's seen as, oh, look, look, look at them trying to be a serious actor. Like, fuck off. If you, you know, comedic acting and being a good comedic presence is fucking difficult. You know, there are so many comedic actors out there who manage to transcend quite quite 
easily into into more dramatic roles. There's vastly more of that than there is of non-comedic actors that can pull off comedy. Yeah, that's true. You know, that's true. So yeah, I'm I'm all for it. I think you know, I think we also with with Franco going back to what we're saying about Franco is I. Yeah. I just think that he has no... He just really just doesn't give a shit about what people think of him at all. Yeah. As long as people yeah. don't think that he's a Hollywood douchebag. Mm. I think he's, yeah, I, I, I think yeah. he's very aware of that. I think the, the whole the whole thing of uh, when they're doing the confessions thing and he says, I slept with Lindsay Lohan. She kept calling me J.H. Hill and all, all the way through. Uh, you yeah, you yeah. kind of think, I think a little bit of that might be real. Yeah, totally. Um, can we talk very quickly? Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about this, but can we just acknowledge how incredible is Danny McBride's entrance to this movie? Yeah, do you know what? Um, the guys, uh, John and Anor mentioned this as well, and I asked them, and they didn't know, what's the song that plays when he's been, when, oh, like, during his introduction? I can't remember. It is... Fuck, because I loved that. I don't know, I can't remember. But it, oh fuck! I'm, I, I continue talking. I'm going to look it up because that that bothered me the other night. But yeah, as well. um, that is an incredible entrance. It is just so. As soon as it starts happening, and the fact that you can't see his face, you just see all this stuff happening, and the pissing on the toilet seat and wiping it with his foot, and then the walking and dancing. It just it all fits Danny McBride. You you kind of do imagine that that's what Danny McBride is like, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and. And just he, whenever he, he he does steal a lot of scenes, he's in. Um, the the whole uh, who's ruined my magazine scene, where Danny McBride's talking about the fact that he's been jerking off everywhere. Oh fuck! Was it when the shit goes down? Yes, it was when the shit goes down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It totally was. Um, still, sorry, yeah. go on. Uh, yeah, yeah. The the, the Danny McBride um, James Franco wank off thing is brilliant. Yes. I I was and the thing is I was in a semi busy screening um, and I was very aware after about because I I laughed from start to finish of this movie. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was very aware that I was really one of only two people that were laughing throughout the movie. Really? Yeah. Um, it didn't get a lot a lot when I was leaving because I was sort of listening to hear what people are saying a lot of people said it was good but they weren't really laughing but I was in fucking like fits like the, it, for me this is the funniest film I've seen since 21 Jump Street I, I, sure. it wasn't yeah, it, yeah. like you said it isn't as good as 21 Jump Street but like I said I was still laughing myself but again, again I'm a like say I'm a huge Craig Robinson fan as well um, and the, the fact that the fact that throughout the entire film he's got a towel over his shoulder that says yeah. Mr. Robinson on it and it's yeah. never mentioned at all. Nobody brings it up. It's just there. Well, the I, 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 movie. I, yeah, I mean, I like that because he obviously, he just like, in that world, he just has that kind of shit with him all the time. Yeah, and, oh, and, and the, the song that he's singing, the... Um, uh, the take, take, your, take your panties yeah, off. It, it, yeah it's yeah. just brilliant and the the whole I know it's in the trailer but the I drank my own pee and you know it, it tastes good yeah, <laughs> he, yeah, his, yeah. his comedic line delivery is, is brilliant mm. um, so yeah so I mean 
there actually isn't that much more to say, I don't think. Uh, what did you uh, think uh, of the what did you think of the bits after when they break out of the house, as to say? Well, yeah, no, I mean I I, I loved the the third act. I mean I, I, I and I, I think it was good because it does I mean, for budgetary reasons they did a lot of it in the one set, mm. but it does by that time you are kind of getting a little bit of cabin fever, I think. And yeah, I I think you do need them to have some new situations happen to them yeah um and i mean i will say as well i mean like, i don't know about your audience but the some of the there were a couple of jump scares that worked on people oh, which yeah. i was um I, I i was very very uh surprised by um i wasn't expecting that and it actually there are moments of this that work as a horror comedy but um yeah the ending when they're, they're outside and it turns a bit mad max for five minutes um was <laughs> oh, uh, that was, was exceptional because i, I there's a point where they walk in uh, at the beginning and um, Seth Rogen mentions to Jay Baruchel that um, oh, um, Chain Tatum lives down the road and my brain immediately clicked and I thought Tatum's going to turn up at some point and he's got yeah, to yeah, yeah. and then when he turns up as the gimp and the fact that he just lifts the mask up and just goes hi guys and then just puts the mask yeah. back down it was just that's wonderful Again, it, yeah. it's another actor who quite obviously doesn't want to take himself seriously and has kind of has, has gone out. He's done, you know, fighting and G.I. Joe and the Step Up movies. He's done all that. He's made a name for himself. He's made, you know, some money and he's gone, right, I've done that, but I kind of want to tread my own path now. And I want to do, he, in a similar way to what Franco's doing, you know... He knows that if he wants to, he's got the name and he's got the the physicality to do stuff like White House Down, which I know isn't doing tremendous amounts of money, but it'll make it, it'll make profit. That will turn a fucking profit. Uh, I, well, I it, it was one hundred and fifty million dollars. Yeah, and when well, I mean that was an expensive film, and when you factor in marketing and whatnot, like, and also frankly, that that is one of the rare films these days. That I think has a better chance in the US than worldwide. I think that'll be I think I think overall I think it'll make back over its budget worldwide box office and it'll do it'll do fucking really well on home video. I yeah, I, I think it'll make back its budget worldwide, but whether it will actually go into the black worldwide, I'm not too sure. And I mean like poor Sony though, between that and After Earth, I mean this is the end was actually a rare good spot for them well, in terms of box office this year. I mean, year. this is the end. It, it is, you know, it, it's it's making good money. You know, it, a budget of $32 million, it, it's already over doubled that. This will make a decent amount of money. You know, yeah, I mean, the, the international rollout for it's barely started, really. Yeah, this, so, this yeah, will push yeah, $100 totally. million. Um, oh, I was going to say, the, the, the Power of Christ Compels You scene was brilliant. Where Seth Rogen basically turns back to Jay Shell and just says, "Are you just going to quote lines from The Exorcist?" It's like, well, I assume yeah. they did their research. And then you've got at that point, Jonah Hill turns back into being Jonah Hill rather than possessed Jonah Hill, and he's like, "Oh, does it compel me, Jay? Does it? It's not. Yeah. Do you know what? Do you know, know a secret? It's not very compelling. It, yeah. it was very. It 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 just it 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 hit the tone brilliantly. Um. Oh, and the the great. Um, James Franco getting ascended and then he starts flipping off. Yeah, that was. I, I was... And you, you're expecting it to happen. You know yeah. that he's been in that blue tube for too long. 
that it, it's going to stop. <laughs> yeah, no, the fact that as soon as... Yeah, the fact that he's as soon as he's in it, and after he's done like a proper, it's kind of heroic, but at, you know, but at the same time, because I was thinking at that point, but well, that is kind of heroic, but that's kind of easy, yeah, you know. But then once he's in the blue light and he starts flipping <laughs> him off, you are just waiting for it, and it's amazing. Yeah, it, it is magnificent. Did you know? You know the end bit where they're getting where um, they're getting pulled up, and then it starts playing the Whitney Houston music. Yeah, do you yeah, know yeah. what they're originally going to use for that? Because they decided to use, um, they had a joke in the film, in the script, um, which was, um, you know, when they're doing the confessions. Yeah. Um, Craig Robinson, I think it was, makes a joke about he fucked a cracked out Whitney Houston. Yeah. And they decided to not film it and decided to cut it after she died. Um. And then they decided, because they felt bad that they'd written the joke, they decided to use the I Will Always Love You uh, as the yeah. song for that bit. Originally, it was going to be Purple Rain. Oh, fuck, Originally, really? Purple Rain was going to be playing, and the shafts of light were going to be purple. In, um, oh, God, which bit of Purple Rain? Do you know? Uh, I think it was basically going to be the, the outro. The, oh, the outro. Fuck. And they, they decided against it. They decided to use the I Will Always Love You. Um, and I was reading that thinking, I really like that bit. I love the I Will Always Love You. It works so well. But then I was thinking, oh, fuck, I really wish they'd have used Purple Rain. Yeah, fucking right. Um, and also the uh, the Backstreet Boys bit at the end was magnificent. Uh yes, absolutely. And the smiles on their faces <laughs> when they were dancing with Backstreet Boys yeah. was incredible. It was. It just looked so brilliant. One point, did you? Because I've seen a few people have a problem with the ah um, oh, fuck, what's her name? Emma Watson bit. Uh, problem with it? Yeah. How so? Well, exactly, right? Exactly. I don't see a problem. Um, a few, I saw a few people on Twitter whinging about the saying, why did they have to say they were going to rape her? Uh, that film was way too rapey. And I thought, uh? Well, no, the joke was, the joke was that, they were, they, they, that they were assuming... The, 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 I don't know that they, they were kind of assuming that one of them would be singled out as being the yeah. rapist. It wasn't making a joke about rape. Yeah, I, 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 I thought it was, it, it, it was that that was people reading something that really, really wasn't there. And I was just thinking, yeah, no, so I was just excited. I, I asked Becky after it and, and mentioned it to her, and she went, "What?" I, yeah. And that was her response. I know that's what I thought. I, I yeah. thought I need to ask Ian just to see if he, if, if he got any of that. Uh, I, I absolutely didn't. Um, I don't know. Have you got anything else you want to add, add to it? Um, uh, no, no. I mean, to be honest, I think we've done more on this is the end than I was expecting. Yeah, I mean, I'll. It, this will be a first day blue buy for me. Um, oh, totally. I, yeah, I yeah, will yeah. watch this film a lot. It will become one of those films where I might watch it all the way through once a year, but I will watch probably the first 40, 50 minutes and then fall asleep several times because I'll come home a little bit drunk and go... <laughs> I'm going to put this on. Nice. Um, so, yeah, so a certainly, definitely not shit. Oh, God, yeah, definitely, definitely not shit. Um, so, yeah. 
that was uh, This Is The End. Uh, definitely not shit. Um, we're going to play some promos for some podcasts, then we're going to head into some one old, one new. <laughs> It was a childhood corrupted by endless hours of VHS rentals. For sake, the man shit, you'd love it. In his most formative years, he had seen it all. Action. <laughs> Karate is not to be used aggressively. But if I have no other choice. Horror. <laughs> and romance. Now, he's decided it's time to go back for just one more adventure. Humans are such easy prey. Noel Miller presents... You're the problem, you little shit! The Adventures in VHS Podcast. Join me, Noel Miller, as each month I take an in-depth look at one movie from my collection of ex-rental 80s VHS classics and speak to one or two of the people involved with making them about what the format means to them. The Adventures in VHS Podcast. Thank you. Have a nice day. Download today from iTunes by searching for Adventures of VHS or visit adventuresofvhs.com. Are you tired of film podcasts where the hosts exist in a constant, blissful state of agreement? I mean, the main, the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. Well, you're in luck. Let me introduce you to Chinstroker and Punter. One is an ex-film student with a penchant for David Lynch and hard cinema. The other is a man on the street. Listen in perplexed and horrified terror as we tear apart one film a week. It just really It's isn't. not visually striking. No. I'm just, just getting confirmation. It's just in That's the third time, though. I mean, I must, this is on. You can find us at chinstrokerversuspunter.podomatic.com. So come and share the victory. If you could... Any man in film, who would it be and why? My answer is Lance Henriksen. He oh. wouldn't tell. He looks like somebody. <laughs> he looks like somebody who can keep a secret. Right, cool. That was for some uh, from some podcast that that, uh, that we like um, and we hope you are listening to. Um, so we're going to get into some one old, one new. Ian, do you want to hit me with your first one old slash one new? I shall smack you in the face with my one new first off. Um, so, so um, yeah, I uh, I had a bit of a Criterion weekend. I managed to watch two of my Criterion Blu-rays um, that I haven't actually seen yet. Um, and I'll talk about one of them. Uh, first time watch of uh, what is generally regarded in higher-minded film circles as one of the greatest films ever made, um, and Andre Tarkovsky's Solaris. Um, so, I, I had seen uh, Steven Soderbergh's Solaris, uh, which manages to condense a 165-minute film, the original, uh, into around about 90 minutes uh, for the George Clooney starring one from 2002. Um, and I think that both work perfectly well on their own terms but it's nice i mean it is nice to know that i think soderbergh's one sits there as a confidently different film yes certainly yeah uh and i, I i'm planning on re-watching the soderbergh one soon um but yeah i, I 
I really like. It's not a surprise, but I really, really, really liked uh, Tarkovsky's Solaris. So, story for those who haven't seen it, um, I don't know any of the actors' names, so I'm sorry. Um, but um, basically, a scientist, Chris Kelvin, is sent to uh, a station, a space station above Solaris. Uh, first 45 minutes or so are establishing the fact that he is. Uh, a bit broken, but not like weeping or anything like that. You can just tell there's some um, there's some tragedy in his background. And um, uh, one of his kind of old workmates slash superiors uh, brings him uh, a man who went to Solaris and saw some crazy shit. Um, he then goes to uh, Kelvin, then goes to Solaris and he. Uh, there's supposed to be three guys on there. Uh, there's only two of them around and both are being quite mysterious. And one of them says, you know, just have some rest for a few hours and then we'll talk. Uh, he has some rest and his dead wife is reincarnated and appears there. And it turns uh, and basically it turns out that um, ghosts from people's memory uh, from these people's memories have returned to them. And we'll keep returning to them no matter what you do with them as some sort of defense mechanism on the planet's part. Uh, but it, the film isn't too concerned with the planet and uh, what they're going to do about that. It's more about Chris Kelvin learning to uh, learning to accept his loss uh, and and accept his life as as it goes on, where whereas others around him might not necessarily, I suppose, or um, uh, or they they might, but they might wallow in their misery. Um, so yeah, um, it, it's a film that very much lingers in uh, long uh, shots that are full of uh, portent and meaning. Uh, there's a fantastic shot earlier on which is um you've seen this yes i have yeah 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 um after the 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 guy um who kind of tells um kelvin his story um early on and there's like a five minute sequence where it's him being like driving in like an automatic driving car or something through like i think it was filmed in japan like japanese like highways and um like his kids there with him and he just looks fucking broken but then it's like the the sound is this like weird building up, like intense, almost as if it's like a space journey kind of sound. And it, it's almost like his mind just cracking or something. I mean, it's it, it, it's it's a hell of a thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, there, there are many discussions had on, um, you know, whether... The, these are ghosts, whether these things are really there and what it actually means in terms of uh, in terms of their psychology and whatnot. And, uh, you know, it's a film that's not really too uh, bothered about plot as it is about just getting you into a mood. And uh, I, I just found it incredibly magnetic. Um, it's not one that I can fully digest on a on a one viewing to be honest um it, it's one i probably won't watch for at least another couple of years but i will watch it again at some point yeah um it is, and it is i mean it's it, 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 right i think it's about two hours 45 and it's just shy of three hours long isn't it yeah it's 165 yeah minutes. and it, 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 it it's very weighty to watch yeah. um in terms of not not just a, as a visual weighty as in it, it bogs you down but there's there's not a lot of levity in it. It's a very heavy film to watch. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, and then it's got a third act, which is like just I, I found it quietly terrifying, um, to be honest. Um, it, 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 it ends uh, kind of similarly to uh, the Soderbergh one, but the Soderbergh one's a bit more oh shit like oh kind of um thing whereas this one it, it like there's just a kind of a final shot in the solo one it's like a final shot it's like oh shit whereas this you you know something is wrong for a, like the last three or four minutes of the film and then there's a shot of it raining somewhere and it, it just it you're just like right okay i know what's going on now and then kelvin's reaction to that and then um there's there's kind of a closing shot where it is absolutely revealed and then it's the question of whether this is this is real is this literal or is it a kind of a more a metaphysical kind of state of mind kind of thing um and i i i, I really really like that as well i mean like you say very very weighty um intense i think is the word yeah yeah uh not exactly fun <laughs> as uh, uh stuart barr at max ren on twitter um said to me uh but I, I i i can see why it's an important film yes absolutely uh, for, and, and, and unlike many other important films i would like to see it again and i would like to like get in a deeper into it mm. I, I, you know, it's not one where I just watch it and I go, I can see why that's important. I never want to watch it again. That wasn't, that wasn't Solaris for me. I was very, very interested and uh, remain so. But uh, yeah, um, really, really glad I actually finally watched it. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw it all oh, about six years ago. Uh, it's, I've only actually watched it once as well. Um, but I actually saw it on the big screen as well. Um, nice. So, and I've always meant to get back to it but it's one of those ones that i've just never got round to to buy i did actually buy it um a little bit after i watched it uh i bought it online from amazon uh and then the um the one that arrived i did actually buy this one and the one that arrived was the um soderbergh one oh, and i yeah. thought oh, i only paid four quid for it i can't be ass pissing about i'll just get the other one as well and then yeah. i got around with it but yeah. Uh, no, it's um yeah. I, mean, I don't think this is. I don't think I saw the Soderbergh one on a UK blue. Um, so uh, 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 yeah, but I mean the, the the Criterion looks really nice. I mean it, it's a little bit rough and ready um, because you know the, the print. There's like there, there's there was one particular shot I noticed the hair in the gate, which um, sent me back to my projection days. And um, there's a few scratches in the print. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like it's had the money spent on it that maybe it, like fucking should do, frankly. Mm. Um, but it's um, it, it's it's a nice tra- transfer. It's a nice enough transfer. There's an awful lot of grain. Um, so if you do have a Region A player, um, hey. the extras on it are what? Hey, you got a you got a Region A player? No, I'm getting one. Keep, keep oh, okay. fucking meaning to. But I, the thing is, is, is it's a very expensive thing to get because I'll buy it and then there'll be a Barnes and Noble sale and I'll spend all my money. Uh, well, that, the, the thing is, though, Barnes and Noble they don't ship to UK postcodes. I just get someone to buy them in America. And... The, the, I mean, the thing is, what I do with my Criterion's, I, I get them off eBay. All oh, right. Um, 
because people like they they they're actually quite competitively priced, and also it, um, every now and then you'll get a right fucking bargain in an auction. Yeah. Um, like I got for all mankind, which is the other Criterion I watched this weekend. I got that on an auction, brand new, for like thirteen pound. That's pretty good. Yeah, and I mean like I I think I've got like ten Criterions, but I mean like this is, you know, this is just a fucking great lineup. I've got the Seventh Seal. Uh, the Wages of Fear, which is my one other criterion I haven't seen yet, so I'm going to get that watched soon. Uh, the Red Shoes, uh, For All Mankind, Brazil, Royal Tenenbaum, Solaris, Kronos, Blowout, Rosemary's Baby. That's a pretty good selection. Like, that's, that is, I mean, like, Criterion, they know their fucking shit. I'm very, very happy with those being my criterions. I will get more in the future, obviously, but... Um, including actually my my one uh, old I'm going to talk about I'm going to get the criterion of that because um, it's out soon okay. so there's a teaser but go on but... I've got none of the none of the blues uh, but I've got uh, I've got a load of the um, the DVD ones yeah nice. uh, I've got most of the Kurosawa ones solid, um, solid. right so um, Moving on from a, a film that... Actually, I'm going to talk about one old, but before that, I'm going to quickly talk about another old film that I originally watched to talk about as my one old. Um, okay. And uh, then I really didn't like it. Uh, but then I, I got to the point where I didn't like it so much that I felt that I had to say something about it. What the fuck's this? Okay. Right. Now, this is another movie that is well over two hours long, but this one has no reason at all to be well over two hours long because nothing actually happens in it at all other than a lot of loudness and pointless dialogue repeated over and over. I watched for the first time... This was when one knew sorry, this was going to be. Um, I watched the first time Bad Boys 2. Now, I love action films. I love buddy cop movies. And I really enjoyed Bad Boys. I watched it about three or four months ago again. And brilliant. Really enjoyed it. It's a great film. I'd never seen Bad Boys 2. No idea why. I just hadn't got round to it. I was talking to something about it on Twitter and thought, right, fuck it. Gonna watch it. So I watched it. And it is the most pointless, loud, just underwritten, boring piece of shit that I've watched in in months. Just hated every second of it and it's two and a half hours long and it, yeah that Why entire bit in long? cuba because that entire bit in cuba is brutal all it is 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 will smith looks serious and drives a car as things fly towards the car and martin lawrence goes sheep what's going like that all the way through it and then it stops um Will Smith kind of talks to Martin Lawrence, and Martin Lawrence goes, um, uh, uh, I might not be here. And that's all that happens. And I was literally, I was watching it going, I can't say I've seen it until it's finished, which means I can't bitch about it until it's finished, but I don't know whether I can finish it, because it is just driving me insane. It, yeah. It is. I would love to have loved this film because I love action movies, but my god, I hated it. And it wow. after it, I thought I stick up for Michael Bay sometimes. Why? Mm. Why? I, I I'd ask you that myself. Yeah, 
Uh, I don't know. I can't answer it at all. Why? But also, as well, do you remember the film at all? Uh, a bit. Do you remember the scene where they're at the Haitian's house and um, they're in one room and the Haitians are in the other room and there's that camera move that constantly goes round in a circle? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, it, that's constantly going on in a circle. Every few seconds, Mike Lowry just keeps shooting, right? And I, all I was thinking was, why are you doing that? You know they're behind the wall that you're against, and you can't shoot round corners, so all you're doing is just wasting ammo. And you're supposed to be able to justify every bullet you have shot. And you're just, you're just firing them at walls now. And then eventually, he turns round and decides, oh, I could just shoot them through this wall. And it's like, that's fucking four clips later. Yeah, when, when you're thinking about that while watching Bad Boys 2, you know you've completely tuned out. Yeah, exactly. So, I'm going to talk about an action film that it is impossible to not like, and it is impossible to tune out, and it is well under two hours long, right? It is... One of those thrillers that came out in the 90s that took a lot of kind of its stance um, from Jalo movies. Um, directed by uh, Rowdy Harrington, uh, who um, was also directed um, nothing else that you might have heard of, but he was the best boy on A Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay. Right? I want to talk about Bruce Willis's 1993 film Striking Distance. Right, okay, yeah, no, I've never seen this. Go on, t- tell me, tell me about it. I will, you have to see this movie. You absolutely have to see this movie. So, I will give a brief kind of outlook on, on what happens, and then I will talk about the way it makes you feel. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bruce Willis plays Tom Hardy, not that Tom Hardy, um, who is a Pittsburgh homicide detective. He's a fifth-generation cop, right? Um, They are tracking um, a uh, serial killer who is um, killing women. Um, And uh, it's been known as the... I can't remember what it's called. The the Polish Hill Strangler, is called. Um, Bruce Willis is convinced um, that um, he's that the guy who's doing it is a cop. Um, the Bruce Willis is on the way to the uh, policeman's ball with his dad, um, who also is a police officer, played by John Mahoney, uh, a.k.a. Fraser's dad. Uh, so there you go. You've got Die Hard and Fraser's dad in the same movie. Uh, and So they're on the way there. Um uh, they end up tracking the uh, Polish Hill Strangler, uh, and then stuff ensues, and he gets away, and uh, other stuff happens that ends up putting Bruce Willis' uh, character um, gets put as being a what they call a river dog, which basically means he uh, works on a police boat and goes up and down the river, stopping people who are like drinking while driving a boat or driving a boat too fast and stuff like that. And this is a couple of years later, like two years down the line, we come into that. Uh, and then what tends that's happening then is 
the Polish Hill Strangler starts coming back and they start finding bodies in the river, which would be perfectly fine, except the Polish Hill Strangler is on death row and Bruce Willis is convinced that that guy has been set up. That's right, okay. all I'm going to say. You've also got Dennis Farina, Tom Sizemore, Sarah Jessica Parker, okay. um, and um, Robert Pastorelli in it. And all I'm going to say is Robert Pastorelli plays a, a guy called um, Jimmy Taylor, uh, right? His dad is played by Dennis, Dennis Farina, um, and his brother is played by Tom Sizemore. They are Bruce Willis's character's cousins, so basically his entire family is in the police force, right? Yeah. Robert Pestarelli, did you ever watch a show called um, Stellar Street? Uh, I know of it, but I can't say I was an average fan uh, or anything. Stellar Street, one of the characters in Stellar Street was Al Pacino. Now, Robert Pastorelli's entire performance of Jimmy in this film, and he's not in it very much, um, which you'll find out at the beginning, he kind of goes away very quickly, um, which isn't a spoiler at all. Um, it, but his character is, is so like Bruce Willis in Stella Street. So like Al Pacino in Stella Street, it is ridiculous. Nice. Um, okay. This film, I was watching it, and I, I started watching it. The reason why I watched it is because uh, my daughter had a sleepover on um, Saturday night. So, as I mentioned in the previous podcast, I had um, five nine-year-old girls in my house, and I live in a bungalow, so I couldn't even hide upstairs. So I basically hid in my bedroom, um, and they had the rest of the house. Uh, and I wanted to watch something... Just I wanted to put some on that would kill a couple of hours that would be dumb and fun. I never expected this to be this entertaining and this brilliant. It was just magnificent, trashy, 90s thriller brilliance. Nice, nice. And, N- trashy 90s thriller brilliance yeah. sounds like a good time. There's also a great scene with Sarah Jessica Parker, because um, this is pre-Sex um, and the City Parker, um, where she wears, because she, um, she plays a police officer as well, uh, and she goes to the police officer's ball at one point, um, not the same one from the beginning, a later one, and wears one of the most inappropriate dresses you could wear to anything, ever. Right, uh, and then you get to see her taking off said dress, and Becky was watching it with me, and her one response to that was, "Well, that's not a type of underwear you wear with that dress at all." Yeah, yeah. And I was like, "No, it's not. You're right." And we were having a five-minute conversation after the film about what underwear would be more appropriate for that dress. So, striking distance. I promise you, it's on UK Netflix. So watch it. I have no excuse. Yeah. Okay. It, fair it enough. Is, it is brilliant fun. So. Okay. Fair enough. What is your uh, one new? Oh. Old, um, sorry. Uh, my one old is right. Okay. A uh, bit of homework for uh, next week's big release. Um, trying to go through some Guillermo del Toro stuff, and um, so I only watched this uh, once before, but um, this is uh, the Devil's Backbone. Ooh. Uh, which um, I, w- I watched with Donna um, like years ago, um, and 
Uh, I liked it. I certainly liked it, but I, I, I didn't absolutely love it. And I kind of had that um, experience when I watched Chronos for the first time as well, where I, I, I did enjoy it, but I wasn't quite there. And I rewatched Chronos. Um, I think earlier this year, yeah. I did a, I did a piece for Screen Geek for it. Um, and uh, yeah, and I, I really, really, really got into Chronos. I don't, I don't like the Devil's Backbone as much as Kronos, um, even though I think they're uh, both of a very, very similar quality. But the thing I really, really like about the Devil's Backbone is the, and I mean, maybe this is in the years hence, like watching, you know, the, uh, watching an awful lot of like foreign language horror and horror in general. An awful lot of horror, it's like the ghost needs the person to right a wrong. You know, I mean, like it, it, it's like there's ghostly going goings on, but then they're actually fairly benign to the person who's experiencing it, and it actually turns out that they 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 need something kind of done for them to be at peace. You know, there, there are many many horror films that go down that particular road, and The Devil's Backbone is is one of those. But Del Toro being Del Toro, there's so much going on other than that primary plot and it all enhances the primary plot it all gives it a, 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 a just an awful lot more weight um i mean like the the boys all together in the orphanage and um the the relationship between uh carlos i think his his name is the the main kid and uh jamie who's the kind of the bully kid i love their relationship because like in in nine out of ten for other films jamie would just be a bully from a to z mm. You know, whereas whereas here his his character is developed, their relationship kind of changes, and it all and it does feel believable. And the place the place their relationship ends is is fantastic. And I mean the, the other the other kids around as well, like the, the kind of the sadness in there, but also the boys growing up together kind of thing. Um, I, I I really enjoy that. But then you've also got the kind of the the sadness and longing of um of getting you know getting older. Um, uh. You, uh, you got uh, Federico Lupi's character, the uh, the doctor and the um, the headmistress woman, and her relationship with him, where like they're obviously you know they are in love with each other, but as the bad guy in the film so eloquently puts it, she also needs a good young hard cock. <laughs> you know, I, I, I mean, like, it, it's and I mean like the way she gets that from him as well, but feels ashamed of herself. Um, yeah, and, and I mean, you've got um, the, the bad guy's kind of girlfriend as well, and um, her kind of sadness. But uh, but then Jamie's kind of like uh, kind of burgeoning sexual feelings like towards her. You know, there, there's so much going on around the ghost stuff that you almost don't need the ghost stuff. But the ghost stuff is great as well. You know, the the idea of that uh, the unexploded bomb. Mm. Um, and, and and kind of what that represents, and you know that that came down as Jamie was running away from um, uh, Santi being killed, um, you know, and, and then the bomb drops. So it, it kind of it gives. It's almost like that bomb is kind of charged with the emotional energy or something. I, I it, 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 it it's just so layered, but it's all coherent and it never. It never feels waffly. I mean, it's like an hour. I think it's like an hour and forty minutes long. You know, it's it's not too long. And um, and I mean, the ghost scenes are solid as well. They are creepy. And the the image of the boy with the blood kind of like pouring out of his head towards the sky is really, really well done. 
Um, yeah, I mean, it comes out on Criterion, I think, like, uh, maybe next week, actually. And um, I'll, I'll be getting that at some point. Um, I, I mean, because it, 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 it's interesting, because, like, you know, I've, I've been very moany about people being like, oh, well, he doesn't get Emil Del Toro just do films like this all the time. These are the ones he really, you know, he obviously wants to do. And it's like, no, no uh-huh. one... No one put a gun to his head and made him make Pacific Rim. In Last Month's Empire, there's like an eight-page thing that he's written about what Pacific Rim means to him. He always says that his three most personal projects of film were Devil's Backbone and the two Hellboy films. They're they're his most personal films. There there you go. And yeah, I I bet not, again, nine out of ten people would say, oh, Pan's Labyrinth. Oh, why doesn't he just make more stuff like Pan's Labyrinth? That's obviously what he wants to do. Yeah. And it, yeah. No. No, he, he doesn't. He, he, you know, he, he, I mean, my, this, I, I love Del Spat, but he's my number two, um, Del Toro. What's your number one? Out of uh, Hellboy 2. Okay. Um, I think it's, uh, you know, it's, it's entertaining enough, Hellboy 2, it's, it, it's entertaining enough to be an entertainment movie and to be a, to be enough for it to be a blockbuster, but it's also got some incredibly beautiful scenes. The, the scene with the um, where you've got Hellboy fighting the the tree thing um, in the middle of um, the city, um, yeah. and then yeah. you've got Luke Goss there saying, "This is the last one of his kind," so you can save all these people by extincting this beautiful creature. It is you don't get that in blockbusters. You, you just don't get it, and it is an absolutely beautiful scene, which it, it, it isn't just plastered in the middle of this bang bang boom boom one liner, bang bang boom boom one liner blockbuster. It, there's actually there's a lot of heart to his, his his blockbuster movies, which I think I forgot when I was looking at, at Pacific Rim, mm. um, and now I'm starting to remember all that. I'm starting to think, do you know what? I've been mentally, I've been way too fucking harsh on Pacific Rim, and I should just accept the fact that I trust that Del Toro won't make a blockbuster for the the blockbuster people. I the thing is, I think with Pacific Rim, I mean, obviously, you know, we're seeing it next week, but um, uh, the, the problem they've had with Pacific Rim is that they've they've gone so fucking overboard on the robots and monsters hitting each other so overboard on that and yet they kind of they're stuck though because they had to because it was a fucking expensive film Mm. and they need to get a multiplex audience in but it's just managed to kind of the the, the marketing's not being brilliant yeah i mean the 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 good the good thing for pacific rim though is that um I, i mean it at the u.s box office which is which is key at the moment um you know, the Lone Ranger's out this weekend and apparently it's fucking god-awful. Mm. Like, I, I haven't heard a good thing about the Lone Ranger and I've read quite a bit on it now. Um, so, you know, if word of mouth is bad on that and then Pacific Rim comes out, uh, it's got it's got a chance. Yeah. Um, the, the problem it's got over here is it's, um, it's coming out the same day as Monsters University, but thankfully, Monsters University look, does look like it's skewing quite young. Yeah. Um, I think that it, it might... That seems strange that they're releasing Monster University. I thought they released Monster University the next week. I thought they released it the, yeah. the school holiday week. Seems a bit... Oh, yeah, so the, the week after, yeah. yeah, you'd think so, wouldn't you? Um, so, yeah, I mean... I'd... Oh, oh and by the way, by the way, that week, you know what comes out on USB? Yes, I do indeed. 
What the fuck? Yes, sir. I, I, um, we, I'm going to guess that we will probably be the weekend of the 20th, 21st. We will be talking about that film. Uh, yeah, is this um, uh, Baby Goose? It is indeed. Yeah, Baby Goose and uh, World's End that weekend, I think. So. Yeah. Yeah, that should be interesting. But um, yeah, what the fuck? How the fuck is that on VOD? Uh, uh, like, it, it must be super uncommercial if it's doing a VOD it, release. It, 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 that now makes me think that's getting a limited release over here. Uh, it might well. Uh, and just uh, just so uh, every, everybody knows, we're talking about games, yeah. um, <laughs> we've been we've been cryptic enough. Um, which, like I say, is um, getting a, a, a VOD release twelfth of June, nineteenth of July. Uh, which is a full two weeks before it comes out over here at the cinema. Uh, which Absolutely. which is crazy. Um, so if you do have access to a US iTunes account, you've got a choice. Um, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Right. Uh, so we did you were you done with? I, I'm done, right, mate. Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't want. I didn't. Oh shit! I just stepped on your toes a little bit. There. <laughs> Um, right, I'm going to talk about my uh, one new um, now. Uh, a film from earlier this year, uh, a film that you watched and I understand that you really liked. Uh, I'm talking about um, Park Chan Wook's um, English language debut, Ooh. Stoker. Um, I'm a I'm a very very big uh, Park Chan Wook fan, um, and so I was a little bit tentative with this. I didn't get a chance to see it at the cinema, really wanted to, but just the planets never aligned. We went at some point to see it, but the listings had been done wrong and we couldn't end up seeing it. Um, so, um, we didn't get to see it. And then came out and it was available, it was out there, but I thought, do you know what? I, I want to wait and watch it in proper Blu-ray. Because I always knew, I was always going to buy the Blu-ray no matter what. So, got it, um, and um, watched it the other night. Um, its story is, um, I'm guessing most people know, but I'm going to go over it briefly anyway. Uh, you've got India Stoker uh, on her 18th birthday, played by Mia uh, Wasikowska. Um, uh, her father dies in a car accident, uh, and India is um, basically just left with her mother, who, who isn't quite all there, she possibly had a drinking problem or some kind of um, deep-seated depression issues or something like that, never really properly absolutely explained. Uh, at the same time, um, during the funeral, um, she's introduced to um, an uncle she never knew she had, um, played by Matthew Good. Um, and he just seems a little bit too perfect and her mother's advances towards him seem a little bit not quite right, seeing as her husband has only just died. Um, Charlie um, ends up spending or staying uh, at the home, and strange things kind of start happening. Um, this, I mean, amazingly, this movie is under 100 minutes long and it's made by a Korean director, which is insane because usually Park Chan-wook, his movies are usually two hours plus. Um, I thought this film was incredibly beautiful. 
um, from so. from start to finish. Um, you expect that from Park Chan Wook. He he has this that beautiful um, savagery uh, within his movies. He can do quite ugly things in his movies, but make them look very poetic and brilliant. But without making them look washy and insignificant. Um, and from the start, where you're getting the um, the credits rolling through. Um, there are just some magnificent images, but also as well uh, what you've got here, as well as all these magnificent images and the, the beautiful look and feel of the film. You've also got some incredible sound design as well. Uh, sound is a very big part of it. There's a particular scene where um, India is um, breaking the shell of an egg, um, a hard-boiled egg, on a table by just oh, with it. with the maid woman yeah, at the start. It, it, yeah, it's yeah. just cracking. Uh, um, and when you've got somebody who is as gifted as as, as Park Chan Wook is in shooting things and in camera positionings and um, and just just ever so slightly playing with speed of, um, of of frames and everything like that, because at points it slows down. But it doesn't slow down to slow motion. It just ever so slightly just isn't quite at normal speed. And then you're getting this this really heightened crack uh, of the egg. And it is just... It's it's only maybe 40 seconds. But you're watching it... And I was watching it just going... This is a girl rolling an egg on a <laughs> table. And I am not joking. I could watch this on loop for an hour it was incredible and then there's other bits later on where there's just so much and there's there's throughout it um you've got he, he plays with 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 time not to the extent of where stuff happens and then it comes back to it it's just you'll have a scene where somebody's for instance undressing and it'll cut forward to them already being undressed and then it'll fall back to them continuing undressing and it just it just kind of flutters around like that at, at certain points, and it, it, it all works brilliantly. Um, and I I think that Mia uh, Wasikowska uh, has a habit of being a little bit bland in film, yeah, sure, and a little sure. bit washy. And it it just about works in this. There are points where she you do kind of go, oh fucking cheer up to her a little bit because she is a little bit maudling about stuff but then again you remember well actually fair enough a father has just died so maybe you can forgive her a little bit um matthew good is very good uh, um at the charismatic brother uh, yeah. he's you know he's a, you know he's a very good looking chap and he, he 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 exudes a very confident styling to himself you know, you can you can imagine him being very much like that and being the kind of guy that everyone kind of would flock to, and he, he everything just seems so effortless, including being very you know a bit of a bastard at points, um, but without ever actually being a bastard. There's no snarliness to it, um, mm. and then when you get the um, the reveal. Uh, he he manages to switch to being something slightly more fragile, and you lean towards that, and it, it does work very well. 
Um, Nicole Kidman also is very good as the, the slightly broken woman. Yeah, the um, I, I mean, I will say that that change in Good's character, I was a little uh, cold at the rather expositiony. Let's flash back in here. Is what happened? Yeah, kind of five minutes. Yeah, it was maybe the yeah. Like for for the rest of the film being as um, subtle, it, um, it, I, 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 you know, as it was to to have that was a bit. Uh, it did feel a little a little rushed that bit. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, like I said, there's not that that much I'll say other than the fact that um, I'm I'm slightly perplexed that 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 so many people that this film seems to split people so so much that it's not really it, it's not really talked about as being one of the films of the year so far um, uh, yeah I mean I, I'm it's not going to be in my top 10 of the year I don't think it, it, I, I, I will say certainly in mine at the moment whether or not it will be the end of the year I don't know um, but it is astonishingly beautiful at points yeah yeah totally um, so yeah uh, well that was our one old and one news, um, and we're going to get into the start of our brand new marathon, uh, which is going to cover the early part of the of Spike Lee's career, uh, which we've imagined is entitled Spike Early. Um, so I'm going to play a trailer uh, from She's Got a Habit, uh, and then we'll get into Spike Lee's debut film. So that was the trailer for She's Got to Have It. 
which was a 1986, uh, it's kind of a comedy-ish film, uh, comedy drama, um, I think is as loose as you could get, um, starring uh, Tracy Camilla Johns, uh, Tommy Redmond Hicks, uh, John Canada, and Canada Terrell, um, and also you've got a few other people cropping up, and Spike Lee himself. Um, it tells the story of uh, Nola Darling, uh, who lives in um, Brooklyn, and she has three partners, um, Jamie Overstreet, played by Tommy Redmond Hicks, um, Greer Childs, played by John Canada Terrell, and Mars Blackmon played by Spike Lee, which is a brilliant name. Um, and uh, it, it's it's kind of a, um, uh, I don't know, a, a, a bit of a French New Wave-inspired um, African-American cinema, American cinema um, comedy of, of, of sorts. Uh, Are you organising your drawers? Me? No, why? Are you talking to me? Yeah, is there anything? Are you? Is there anything going on on around you at the moment? Are you just talking? No, I'm just talking. That was fucking weird. Uh, yeah, um, that's fucking strange. Um, made for less than two hundred thousand dollars and grossed just shy of ten million dollars worldwide. Ian, nice. what did you think of? She's got to have it. Yeah, so um, every single one of these films we're covering in this marathon I've never seen before, as I said last week, oh, or a couple of weeks back, whenever. Spike Lee, major, major hole in my film watching, so this is a very good opportunity for me, frankly. Um, yeah, I enjoyed She's Gotta Have It. Um, I expect to watch films in this marathon that I, I, I like more, uh, if, if I'm honest. Yes, um, I, would, I, would, I would say you, you probably will. Yeah, um, but I, yeah, I had a good time with it. Um I, I, I was I, I it, it is very student film uh, it, it is very very student film and I thought that some of the performances weren't amazing there was one one particular sequence where um, uh, she's there with her friend who's trying to get in with her and then um, uh, and then Jamie comes over and then th- th- those two are kind of they're having a discussion. And like at a table, mm. or they're, they're standing over a table, yeah. and it literally felt like they were being fed the lines off camera. Um, it, it, I, yes, I, I, I know it. Yeah, it, it it does look like they are looking. Yeah, and I, and I mean, I think the girl, like I, I think she was going for a, a, a so laid back, she's you know practically horizontal kind of approach, but it verges into just not knowing the lines with her if it to be honest but um and, and i will say as well um nola i didn't quite get what the fuss was about her um i don't think the film painted it was basically three men who really really liked this woman and this woman who kind of liked all three men but i didn't really get an impression why they all really really liked her um, yeah that would be yeah that that is that is an issue of of this film. Yeah, I mean, I like, I, I mean, I think with the guys, you could see that she's getting different things from each guy. Mm. Uh, you know, she's she's getting the kind of the warmth from Jamie. She's getting the pure physical nature from Greer, and she's getting the kind of the fun from uh, from Mars. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, you know. So I mean, like, I I think that that aspect is played quite well. But uh, the documentary kind of nature of it, the talking to camera, which is obviously a big Spike Lee thing, I really like that. I mean, the moment where Jamie's talking, and then Mars is like on it, he's kind of like riding his bike past, <laughs> and then he just completely interrupts it and starts talking about her as well. That was fucking amazing, and like I loved Mars. Yeah, I loved his constant. Uh, like asking people to basically confirm things two or three times before going on, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I. 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 I like. I don't. It was just little things like that added to his character. Whereas, you know, Greer was basically a personality type, and Jamie was just bland. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is the thing. Um. I mean, Jamie works because um. Tony Remnick has a great voice for those monologues that he has to do. Oh yes, he does. He, you yeah. know, he has an incredible voice for speaking, and he is very. He's very sort of like that, and it, it, it just it just works. Um, all three of them work very well. Do you know one very strange thing? Because I I I I've seen all the, the Spider ones. I I, I I as I mentioned before, I I was a very big early Spider Lee fan, but I've not watched any of these films in sort of like God, maybe like fifteen years. And I've not watched this since the early nineties. Um, I forgot it was in black and white. Really? And yeah, I completely forgot. Um. And then um, when I uh, located a copy and informed you about the location of said copy, uh, I thought, shit, is it? I don't know if it's been in black. I, I honestly, I, I completely forgot it was in black and white. I remember so much about the film and so much that happens in the film. But I, my brain, I, it wasn't in colour in my brain or anything like that. I just completely forgot the fact that it was in black and white. Yeah. Which you say to me about describe Raging Bull, I'd say, oh, well, it's a black and white film and stuff like that. But I, I just completely forgot it. So it was it was a little bit of a shock to me to say, oh, shit. All right. Yeah, it's in black and white, isn't it? Yeah. I'm sure there's a colour bit in it. And there is a colour bit in it at the halfway through. Um, yeah, it's, I'll agree with you on the, the fact that... Um, that uh, Nola Darling doesn't seem like she has I- I- enough you know, she doesn't seem like a particularly nice person yeah, um, sure. she doesn't seem like she's like she's got that much charisma and she's not she's not unattractive but she's not a stunner, let's be honest is she? yeah, that, yeah, so and she's got weird breasts so yeah. um, you're kind of there thinking well Maybe, you know, they could have picked somebody who was a bit more alluring in some way. But maybe it's a sexual confidence that is the alluring thing. Well, the thing is, I mean, like, Jamie sees her in the street and um, and he just kind of asks her out. And then suddenly he's just kind of in love with her. And I mean, I, I get that, but. I mean, Jamie. It doesn't seem like sex is the is a massive, massive thing to him. Yeah. Like he seems. He, I mean, and to be fair, it doesn't really for Mars either. Even though, then again, he does kind of like try and booty call her a couple of times. Yeah. And that that scene was funny as well. And she like he phones her, puts the phone down, and just immediately calls another girl. That 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 was good. But um, it. it I don't know. It just. The all these three guys, I don't believe they were all just hound dogs. Like Greer, sure. Yeah. Mars to an extent, but Jamie, no. No, no. It, 
it, it, it does. I mean, it, the thing is, it's, it's his first sort of feature film, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, totally, totally. In terms of, of, you know, of writing wise, I think there are a few missteps in it. But in terms of a first film as a director, it is incredibly confident. Oh, yeah. Totally. You know, which is obviously it's something that you associate with Spike Lee. He, he is, you know, he is an incredibly confident director. Um, but he's doing something quite different here. Um, to what was happening in films, you know, there's obvious influences from um, sort of 50s musicals and from French New Wave and from Scorsese, 70s Scorsese films, all kind of mixed together. And he, he, he's very much wearing his influences on his sleeve and throwing them at camera. And for a for a first film, it, it, it's it's incredible for somebody to be that that risky. With, with how he he shot it and the amount of, you know, quite graphic nudity at points as well, but not like it's not, um, it's not straight up nudity. It's not nudity for the sake of it. There's a point yeah. to it, and it's not leery. It's it's very um, almost photographic. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, like the um, the this shot of um, when her and Grio are going at it on the bed, and it's from quite far away. Yeah. I mean, that does almost feel like it, it could be photos. And that that bit where I think it's Jamie, it's like uh, the quite the, the long slow shots of her body and him kind of kissing areas of it. Yeah. Like yeah, that that kind of yeah, I I, I could totally see what you mean by that. Yeah. Mm. So I mean, it's it's. It's one of those films. I, I can see where uh, this film had influences um, leading into sort of like the the explosion of American independent cinema in the in the kind of early nineties. You know, you, you can quite clearly um, you can see um, it influence Clerks, for instance. Would you? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Not just um, black and white, but in terms of the fact that it's very segmented and yeah yeah it's like you're almost um kind of like interrupting them halfway through a conversation or something and then and 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 they're just you just kind of listen in as such yeah Yeah. it's very like that and it's there's no there's very few big moments in it it's just a lot of sort of talking and talking and talking well yeah i mean i mean i suppose the big moment is the um the colour sequence. Yeah, which is... Um, which are, a lot of people have an issue with that. I, I thought it, it, it worked in the context of what it was doing. Oh, no, yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly, in, in the context. I mean, I... I because I was wondering what he was going to do because he um, he kind of gets said like, there's no place to home, there's no place like home, and then suddenly it's in colour. Mm. That's... You know, I mean, like that—that that works on a met, uh, on a kind of a more meta level as well. Yeah. Um, but that that, that that sequence is a kind of a sequence of pure happiness. It is probably like the happiest section of the entire film, and and, and probably the warmest section. I mean, like because the, the relationship between her and Jamie does go to some dark places. Yeah, it does at one point, doesn't it? Um, it it's yeah, it, it's one of those films where it, it's. It's maybe not quite as, um, as as good as my brain remembered it being, but I certainly enjoyed watching it again. 
I, it's, 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 I mean, it's seven out of ten. I gave it. I, I did very, very much enjoy. Yeah, it. I add to that. It, I, it, it made me laugh a good amount of times as well. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I like I said before, I, I, I think Spike Lee is fucking fantastic in this flick. Yeah, he is. He is very. He gets it. He seems to get it quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. And he's he's certainly not taking himself seriously. Um, have you got that much else to add on this film? Because it's it's one of his more, one of his less um, going on, and it is only like it's only like eighty eight minutes long, as well. Um, I mean, I I think I pretty much said everything I needed to say on it, to be honest. Yep, I'm pretty uh, done. Definitely not shit. Definitely not shit. Totally. Um, so yeah, so next. What's next on our Spike Lee? Is it Jungle, Jungle Fever? Fever? Fucking hell, that's jumping from one to another. That. Nice. That's not a comedy. Nice. Uh, incredible movie, though. So I'm really looking forward to catching up with that again as well. Um, right, we have some Twitter questions. Uh, yes, and first off, I will just say, at Andy Lonsdale 21, you win the Cloverfield Blu-ray from last week. Uh, please email dudeandamonkey@gmail.com with your postal address as long as it's in the UK and uh, I'll get that out to you. Cool, well done uh, for uh, mentioning Jennifer Aniston the boobies. Yeah. Uh, right, I'll start off with our Twitter question. I'm not sure I've got any of the email because for some reason I can't access the email at the moment. Uh, it might be because I'm in there at the moment and no, we haven't had any you bunch of bastards. You absolute cockrings. Uh, let's have a look. Uh, I'll look through my thing first and I'll look into the Dude and the Monkey account. Um, Chris Pine, uh, Cinematronics, if you could remake any film, what would it be? Uh, Star Wars, because it would piss people off. Yeah, but it yeah, piss me it'd off. Help, it'd help um, people's brains, so fuck it, Star Wars. Just, 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 to, just, to, just to watch the fucking Twitter meltdown. Do you know what? I'll say the beach because I I think in different circumstances with less pressure on him, a lower budget, not having to star fuck as Danny Boyle did unfortunately have to do back in the day, I think that film could have been fucking special. Um, still have Danny Boyle do it ten years ago, but without the extraneous factors and let's see what would happen then and with Ewan McGregor in the lead role. Uh, you were going ten years ago though. Are you going to now? Because doesn't he just do the? He just do car uh, adverts now. He is all right now. He just he, he, I, 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 he was good in Jack the Giant Slayer. I'm sorry, he I was. I haven't seen that yet. The, the latest thing well, I you hush your mouth. The latest then, thing sir. I saw him is that car advert where he's got a different name, and I'm thinking. You're fucking you, McGregor. We know you're you, McGregor. You're in a car advert. You don't need a fucking character name. When they say, is your name Blah, it should be, is your name you, McGregor? Yes, it is. It doesn't have to be John Sanders or whatever it is. The fucking stupid advert and it annoys me. Don't like adverts. Next, next question. Next question is from Tom, uh, very cinematic. Who we have top three movie star man crushes? Shouldn't be a problem um, for Dude because oh. he seems to have plenty. Fucking do, yeah. Um, top three, easy. Baby Goose. Yeah. Bradley Cooper. Yeah. And Ryan Reynolds. Right, hang on a second. Donna! 
Um, who are my top three film man crushes? Top three man crushes in film. Mine. Actors. Javier Bardem, yeah. Statham, yeah. Daniel Craig, oh, really? Daniel Craig's I, I a solid three. call. I, th I think that's probably a different one. I don't know. What do you think? I think Daniel Craig's a solid call, buddy. I do have a lot of man crushes, that's right. Um, Mark's saying Craig's, uh, Daniel Craig's a solid choice. All right, I'll go with Daniel Craig. Oh, I, I, I kind of wish I did Craig now. Thanks, hon. That's 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 a solid list. That yeah, I I I could quite easily I could quite easily name a top five man crushes, but I'd really struggle to name a top five lady crushes. If, I, well, I will just say just to redress the balance, I would do things to Jennifer Lawrence that you people wouldn't believe. Um, you see, I, I I read this question on a bus, and I oh, oh you love it. Ian, are you Did you hear that? Yeah. <laughs> oh no, nah, she's all right. Love you. Um, kick his ass, Dom. Um, yeah, um, I actually read that and actually thought, and straight away I thought it's who your top three. Um, I didn't see the word man crushes because I read it on a bus very quickly, and just thought it was top three movie crushes, and thought, oh, when we do this, we'll do a man and a lady version because my man version will be easier than my lady version. Jennifer Lawrence, Emily Blunt, Scarlett Johansson, done. Yeah, mine would. See, I thought about mine and. I'd work on this and thought, first three that come to your head, and mine were um, uh, Carla Gugino, Patricia Clarkson, um, and Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, do you know what, though? Brie Larson in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. She's um, N.V. Adams, the singer. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, she's quite fetching. Yeah, Sharon Stone would um, be around mine, just because I think that she would fuck you and then eat you. Patricia Clarkson in what, incidentally? In anything. Really? Yeah. Wow, fair play. I must make sure, that like, you're saying that, I'm thinking, fuck, that's the right person. Mate, fucking Patricia, like, seriously, yeah, Patricia, Patricia Clarkson. Yeah. Who was Kevin Costner's wife in The Untouchables over 20 years ago, Patricia Clarkson? And he's more attractive now. Fucking f fair enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she, she's hot as hell. I'm not, I'm not the only person who has this. So, if, if listeners, if you share my Patricia Clarkson love, please give me a shout out, because I'm sure I'm not the only person that, that has this Patricia Clarkson. I've got to say, I think you're the first person I've ever spoken to who has admitted having uh, having the proper by the sounds a bit hot for patricia clarkson yes I, I i i i would have one of those if i ever met a girl fuck it fuck it i'm going for it i can explain it to becky later i'm going for it i know i get shot down it's patricia clarkson for god's sake but you've got to go for it when you see the opportunity your wife's better looking than patricia clarkson i'll say that thank you um Next question is from Mondo Dan. <laughs> that, was that a bit uncomfortable? <laughs> oh, <sorry. laughs> uh, yes, of course. No, I'd like some Chris Clarkson. Unless Chris Clarkson's listening. Uh, in which case, um, email at dudemonkey at gmail.com and we'll, we'll hook some up. 
Uh, Seriously, if I open up the Dude and a Monkey <laughs> inbox and there's just a picture of Patricia Clarkson's muff, I'm not going to be happy. I, I will. I will. It'll make your fucking year, I'm it, sure. It, it will. It, it will make my. It will. There will be a reply straight away that will just immediately say, um, "Hey, um, I'm sure you're gonna be in the UK at some point. Let's make this shit happen." I'm a semi. Oh, I'm a right. semi-attractive man. I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm sorry that I, I, Patricia Clarkson. I'm sure she's a lovely lady and whatnot, but that imagery is really putting me <laughs> off. You two going at it. Let's <laughs> move the fuck on. Um, Mondo Dan, uh, if you were going to have your face smashed in by a now dead actor, who would it be? Brando. Oh! Oh, I thought mine was good. Oh, I thought mine was good. Then you said Brando. What's yours? What's yours? Jack Palance. Yeah, actually, to be fair, that's pretty solid. Oh, but Brando. Oh. Oh, also, if we're going to talk about movie man crushes, I don't think there has ever been a more physically attractive humans coming up here than, than Brando in A Streetcar Named Desire. I thought you were going to say Last Tango in Paris. No, get, bring me the butter. No, no, that's not that attractive. Brando being a bit comb over, wearing a tight red t-shirt and a bit sweaty. When you look at that and then you go back to Streetcar Named Desire and his performance in that, which is just pure sex, is with Ridiculous that they are the same person. Honestly, Brando in a streetcar named Desire, you just watch him and go, oh my god, this man is magnificent. Uh, right, uh, we do have more questions. I know we do. I don't even. <laughs> I disturbed you a little bit in this, in this segment. Charlie, uh, soundtrack L-I-T-N, uh, can I borrow a tenner? No. No, fuck off. No, you, you've got a beard, I don't trust you. Uh, no. uh, oh, and also, uh, Cinematronics sent us another question, which says, has there been any film that you liked at first but turned crap on repeat viewings? Yes! <laughs> and everybody will hate me for saying it. <laughs> what? Santa Lambs. Oh, shit, really? Yep. Really? Yep. I liked Sans Labs, liked it, had it on VHS, uh, bought it on DVD, watching it, watched it, watched it about four or five times, really liked it. Then I watched it one day, and I was watching it, and something clicked, and I went, I don't like this film. So I watched it again a few weeks later, and I was like, yeah, I don't like this film. So I gave it a few years, and watched it again, with Becky again, and I was like, yep. Don't like it. Don't like it. Don't see what everyone fucking raves about. Hopkins is fucking too hammy. Foster's just too fucking wet in it. Don't like it. There's some good scenes, but just don't like it. I think I was kidding myself in convincing myself when I was younger that it was great and I loved it. Now, just don't like it. I, I, I can't I can't think of any examples. I can think of plenty of examples the other way round where I've warmed up to a film. Attack the Block was a big one for that for me. Um, but like re- like went from Met to I really really like it. That was me on Attack the Block over about three or four viewings. Um, I can't I can't think of any where I've really liked it at first and then I've ju- I've just fallen out with it. I, I, um, I don't want to watch Cabin in the Woods again 
for a couple of years because I watched it the first time and loved it. Really did like it. The second time, I the dip in how much I liked it was very significant. Still like I've it. seen Cabin in... Yeah, I've seen Cabin in the Woods three times, and the sheen does go off, but I think it still, I think it still sits there at really good. Yeah, I, I, I still think good, but I don't want to watch it again and then go, I like it. Fair enough. So I'm going to give it a couple of years before I venture back to it, which is annoying because it's one of those films that Becky can watch over and over again, so she keeps going, I don't want to watch Cabin. No. Right. Uh, I... Think that might be it. Uh, I, 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 I'll say Chris Ward uh, wants us to do an Action Jackson commentary. Uh, we will. It, um, it, it will happen, it will happen uh, and we'll 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 arrange it for when um, a certain Mancunian uh, maestro can join us. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I I think that is um, that is your lot for episode twenty six. Uh, that was a fucking solid one. It was a solid one. Um, that was really good. Yeah. Um, if I do say it, so it was, it was, it, we, we seem to like a lot of movies this week, which which was cool. I like that. Um, what are we covering next week, Ian? Uh, I don't well, know. <laughs> um, okay, what's, what's out? I mean, like, A Field in England is obviously on um, Film 4 on Friday, and it's fucking ace. Yes, because you've already seen it, because Sneaky HMV Cardiff put it out, didn't they? They broke the fucking street date, and apparently it seems like they were the only one Ooh, that broke the street date. No, so, oh really? In York. It was out Monday at York, and then gone by Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. So um, that that is interesting. Um, it's fuck. It's really, really, really good. If you're gonna watch it on film four at ten forty-five on Friday evening. Don't drink beforehand. Uh, I'm I'm at work Friday night, so I'll be recording it and watching it when I get home. It's um, it gets trippy as fucking balls at one point, and um, yeah, don't don't be so. I, I I I never watch films new after having a drink anyway. I'm just talking to the general crowd yeah you know um it, it, yeah but it's uh i think it's really great so i'm assuming we can um we can do that yeah yep. uh, uh but also um if you want to do a double though i mean we also uh, now you see me's out in the cinema and so's the bling ring uh yeah uh i could do either of those we'll discuss it we'll work it out uh mate i i'm seeing both on saturday so just whichever it'll be a surprise for the listeners just whichever one you actually make it to. well what i might do is wait and tell and watch whichever one you say is all right the thing is i looking at it now with my track record with the two directors i think i'm more likely to like now you see me than i am the bling ring Right. Well, 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 well we, we, it'll be a surprise for the listeners. Uh, uh, me and Ian will. I, and it'll be a surprise for Mark as well. It will be. It will be. Yeah. Because uh, I'll be going on Sunday. Um, iTunes reviews always greatly received. Uh, any feedback is also greatly received. So we haven't actually had that much feedback. So fucking get it in. You know. Um, at, at dude and the monkey. Um, at dude Foz, At Ian Loring. Dude and the monkey at gmail dot com. Get it all in. Uh, remember, send questions to us at any point because we enjoy answering them and they're usually quite fun. 
to do. Uh, so thank you very much for those who do send in questions. Uh, it's very much appreciated. Uh, anyway. Anything else to add, Ian? Done. Done. Beautiful. Bye.